Welcome to the first Sunday of a brand new year. Can, can we have a hand clap for a new year? Woohoo! Yeah. I mean, of all years, can we just be thankful that 2020 is behind us? A brand new year full of opportunities and positivity and hope is in front of us, right? All right. Nice. Here's the thing. 2020 wasn't all bad, right? So I got thinking back just in my own personal life about some things, and I had a long list of things that I could have shared with you, and I got thinking about just kind of in the world in general. Now, you got to, this last year, you had to dig into uh, news to find other things going on behind the two big stories of the year, but they're not behind it, but other than that, and so there was, a, there was some stuff to find and happened with like our fellow humans around the world that was good, but then I got thinking about just in the life of our church. Um, we, can, we can talk about all kinds of things that have gone right in 2020. Um, for example, in January and February, do you remember January and February of 2020? Remember that? It was about seven years ago. Uh, we'd raised money to renovate um, our restrooms and do some improvements on the exterior of our building. We were able to raise all that money and then some, and then we got all that work completed last spring. We've been talking amongst the leadership circles about launching Church Online for nearly two years. Well, yeah, it's been over two years now since we started talking about it. And then um, suspending in-person services for 11 weeks in the spring forced our hand and accelerated that pace of change there. So I see that it ended up being a positive because when it became clear we were going to be um, relying heavily on video content you know, for a while, people really stepped up with some significant donations so that we could buy the gear we needed to make that happen. Um, then in July, we had a very successful month, as I said, uh, working at and serving at Lowe's and Fishes, um, in, because at one point we wondered if we'd even be able to get to do it. Um, in August, we had a really meaningful uh, night of worship that was really important for our church at about that time. In the summer and fall, we had um, just a really good experience rebuilding community within our youth ministry. Uh, in September, we had a baby dedication here. We had um, a baptism. Uh, in September and October, we raised nearly $8,000 for Cairo's house in Guatemala. Um, yeah, that, that, yeah, exactly. Don't, don't just uh, look the other way at that. That was really significant. Um, in October, we celebrated our amazing volunteers who have just gone to another level this year. We had a barbecue here after church uh, to celebrate with them. And then what you may not know is our friends at Dragonfire Pizza treated all the volunteers who served the volunteers at the barbecue to some of the best pizza in town. So that was really special. And then in November, we collected over 140 boxes for Operation Christmas Child. Uh, and then also in November, I preached a sermon about the post-election fallout. And to my knowledge, the church is still intact. So I took that as a positive. And I know... For some of us, this year has forced our circle of community to be a little smaller than we like, but in doing so, for many of us, it's made it deeper. So when it's all been said and done, it's been a challenging year for sure, you know, to, stay the, the, to say the least, one that we won't soon forget. But if we'll just be a little uh, intentional, we can find some good in that. A few weeks ago, Lethe and I went on a trip. And I know all the experts were advising against that, but we're, we found ourselves, we're, we're at a life stage in our family where we really need to see her parents uh, at least a couple times a year. So a few months ago, we decided to meet in Georgia, and uh, we have a picture there, I think. Yeah, that's most of us. 
um, at, our, at her sister's house. So her parents came down from Tennessee, and her brother and family came over from Texas. We had three days of being together with family. Uh, this was actually our second time to see all of them in 2020, and we have, we got looking back, in our 31 years of marriage, we've never gotten to visit with her whole family twice in the same year. So that was a good thing. Then we took a couple days um, a few weeks ago to meet up with Aaron and Jeff in Orlando to visit the most magical place on earth, and uh, we've been there many times over the years, and we kind of did our research and educated ourselves on what all the changes and what the experience might be like and all that, but, but regardless of all that, we had a great time. We always do. So in 2020, we were able to visit with Alethea's parents in Tennessee in January. Then we made a quick trip to Dallas to celebrate our 30th anniversary, which is that's where we dated and were married, and then uh, to visit with her brother in Houston, and then this trip last month to meet up with the whole family in Georgia. And one of the things I love most about traveling is actually the planning. And none of, <laughs> Aaron, did you say that? Yeah. And none of that family time could have happened without some extensive planning and some intentional action. In those two visits uh, in January and December, we had seven separate hotel reservations, a couple one-way car rentals, flights to Nashville, Dallas, and Charleston, return flights from Houston and Orlando, and right now to get into Disney parks, you have to reserve your day, then you buy your ticket, and then you got to, of course, make dining reservations. And this year, for the first time, uh, we made an appointment to get a COVID test at the Portland airport, so that was a good time. So these trips are great, and we really enjoy them. We know how blessed we are to get to do that, um, but they don't happen without extensive planning and intentional action. And the planning and the action thing applies to paying for these trips too, for us like nine or ten months of saving to make these things happen. So all those months of planning and shopping around for the best airfare and hotels and car rentals and reserving this and confirming that and, oh, this one's better than that one. I'm going to cancel this reservation, take that one, and then saving the money, all those things that go into planning a trip. It's kind of like January in the new year because, in a way, that's what January can be all about for us if we choose to. It's often about making resolutions. It's about starting over, which means planning and action. So right now we stand at the beginning of a new year. We have all the promise that this new year holds. And so I want you to think where you might find yourself six or seven months from now, next fall, or at the end of 2021. Think about that. I'm not talking about in the distant future. I'm talking about something we can get our heads around. And I want to talk this morning about future you. I mean... 2020 was a year like nothing we'd ever experienced in our lifetime, but think back and think about some of the things that you wish you would have done in 2020. So for example, maybe you wish now that you had lost a few pounds. Maybe you wish you had finally gotten serious about quitting smoking, you know, like for real. Or maybe you wish you had been able to confront and walk away from some destructive habit. Or maybe you wish you had gotten a little more savvy and disciplined financially. So turn that around and look six or seven months from now down the road, you could be in a very different place than you're in right now. If you seize the moment in front of you, my guess is that right now you're probably thinking about some of the things that you would love to change in your life. So I want us to think about that for a few minutes today. When you get a view of the future, when you think about future you, and I don't even, because I don't even necessarily mean you in five years, 10 years, or even at the Let's not even go to the end of this year. Let's talk about six or seven months from now, middle of this year. What would future you 
tell you to do right now? Like starting today, starting this week. What would future you tell you to do? Because here's the reality, that some of us are dealing with the usual New Year's things, right? We got to, yes, we got to drop a few pounds, or we got to exercise more, or we got to do this, or we got to do that, or we got to stop doing that. But for some of us, honestly, if we really looked inside, you're struggling with some pretty deep issues right now. Some of us, the problem isn't failure, it's success. Like the challenge is that you've been so successful, you're never home, your marriage isn't where it needs to be, your kids don't see you enough, you're struggling to figure out how to balance all of that. And maybe one of the best things that you can do, if, if, in fact, if you, could, if you could talk to future you, future you would say to you, you need to cut back your hours. And I know the resistance to that, because if it was easy, you would have already done it. And the reality is it's not easy, it's tough, and that's why I want you to ask the question today, what would future you tell you to do? For some of us, the, the challenge we're facing is a grudge that we've been holding on to for a long time, and it's morphed into resentment and bitterness. In fact, if you had to analyze what you're really struggling with, you'd probably tell yourself, I'm struggling with unforgiveness. There's somebody that you've tried to forgive in the past, and you're still moving into yet another new year, hanging on to some of that past baggage. You're angry, you're upset, you're hurt, and you haven't let it go, and you, maybe you don't know how to let it go. Well, what would future you tell you to do today when you still have the opportunity to deal with it? Maybe even get some professional help with that starting this week, like make a phone call tomorrow morning. Maybe you're dealing with some pretty deep-seated addictions, and maybe on last New Year's list was this desire to, you know, fill in the blank, stop smoking or get control of your drinking or whatever the thing is, and it didn't happen. And, and last year this time, you're like, I just got to get control of this thing in my life. I got to get my head on straight. I got to get my life together, and it just hasn't happened. So ask yourself the question, what would future you tell you to do right now? For others, the struggle is money, you know, finances. And maybe it's as simple as I need to do a better job to save a little bit for this and save a little bit for that. Maybe I need to spend a little less here or there. Or maybe, maybe you need to actually get a second job to kind of create a little margin, you know. You, or maybe it's that like you're in very, very deep and you realize you're only a few months away from disaster. You're a few months away from really not being able to keep everything in balance anymore. What would future you tell you to do starting today? Here's the reality. The reality is that some of these problems are far beyond our control. Some of them, for sure, you can put them on a list, you can check off the list, and away we go. But when you're so addicted to work that it's upsetting your family life, when you've got financial problems and you can't stop spending and then you can't stop thinking about it, or you've got an anger issue or an unforgiveness issue or an addiction issue, that is bigger than you. So what do you do with that? Thankfully, I think that's a question that our Heavenly Father is interested in as well. And I think it's something that He wants to see us make progress in this year. In fact, the Bible is full of stories of people who face situations that were so much bigger than themselves. So if you'll come with me, I want to look at one of them right now. This is, uh, this is a, found in, in one of the Gospels, in the Gospel of Matthew. When did Jesus, as Jesus is teaching... Uh, as tended to happen, thousands of people gathered to hear him. And as the day went on, uh, people got hungry and there wasn't any food to feed them. They weren't planning to, spend, to stay there through mealtime. So Jesus, and I know many of you probably know this story. Maybe you are, you're, you know, it's coming back to you now as you hear it because you heard it in Sunday school or VBS or something. But Jesus took the lunch of a, of a young boy that was offered to him and he, he multiplied five loaves and two fish and he miraculously fed over 5,000 people. 
And so now the disciples and all of his followers are astounded. They'd never seen anything like this. And they didn't, I mean, if you'd asked them, they didn't believe it was even possible. And when that was over, when they were done cleaning up, Jesus says, okay, now, uh, look, I need to go off to pray. Um, why don't you guys get in the boat? Just meet me on the other, other side of the lake here. So the 12 disciples got into the boat. They left the shore. Uh, they're in the boat and the night, and night fell. And this is where the story picks up in Matthew uh, chapter 14. Uh, the Gospel of Matthew is the first book of the New Testament, one of the first of the four accounts of the life and ministry of Jesus written by one of Jesus' disciples. So that's the background on Matthew. Matthew 14, verse 23. I invite you to follow along with me here. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, <coughs> the disciples were in trouble far away from land for a strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. So you ever been there in your life where you feel, I mean, maybe, I don't know, maybe that's where 2021 begins for you, where you feel like you're just fighting against the waves? And actually, if you look at the original language, because the original story wasn't written in English, if you look at the Greek that it was written in, it actually means that the waves were tormenting the boat. So this is kind of a strange story. Jesus could have sent the disciples anywhere, but he sends them into the boat. And I don't know exactly how this works. I mean, I really don't, but I'm guessing he knew there was a storm coming. And I'm not saying he caused the storm, but at the very least, he knew there was a storm coming. And, and, and these were guys, a lot of whom had spent their life on the water, at least four of them that we know of were, were professional fishermen. Uh, for, uh, their family been, family's been doing this for years. They'd been rowing, and they probably had sails up, and, and there they are in the middle of the night, and the storm has gotten so bad that it's pummeling the boat, and they're beginning to fear for their lives. And Jesus is nowhere to be found. And you know, in the first couple uh, centuries of the church, that's what a lot of Christians felt like. They came to realize that there are moments in your life where it just feels like you're all alone. You don't know where God is. And maybe that's where you are. Maybe you don't know where God is in the middle of your struggle. You don't know where God is in your mess right now, in the middle of whatever it is that you're struggling with, and you can't really figure that out. Well, the scripture talks about that. And the earliest followers of Jesus, the people who are closest to him, felt that and experienced that. Story continues, verse 25. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. And I know for some of you, maybe, I don't know if this, if we have any first time in church people here today, but for some people, you're, you're just, uh, maybe you're trying to follow through on a New Year's resolution, so you showed up at church at the first Sunday of the year, or maybe you're, you hopped on church online today, and maybe a friend tricked you and, or invited you, I mean, to lunch afterwards. So here you are at church, and you're like, come on, like you're starting with this. Like, does anybody really believe that Jesus walked on water? My answer to that, because I'm a pretty simple person, is I think that the God who created the universe, I mean, when you look around, when you actually look around and take it in, like this morning, it's pretty spectacular. And whatever you believe about the particulars of the origin of all of it, the Bible says God was responsible for bringing everything out of nothing. And if that's a big obstacle for you, maybe we can sit down and, and talk about it over coffee sometime. But here's what I think that if the God who created everything around us could create all of that out of nothing, I think walking on water should probably be a piece of cake for him. And he wasn't doing it to impress people. He was doing it to demonstrate that he's the Lord of every situation. And in the middle of whatever storm you happen to be in, Jesus has a way of saying, I'm bigger than that. I'm bigger than the storm you're in. I'm bigger than the darkness in the middle of the night. I'm more powerful than the wind and I'm more powerful than the waves. So he shows up. And as much as the disciples felt that he was far away, he actually wasn't. So Jesus shows up, and now the story gets more interesting. Verse 26. 
When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. And here's the reality. You would be terrified too. And I would be terrified too. I mean, what else would it be? I mean, like seriously, who would be walking on the water? It's got to be a ghost. It's got to be like paranormal. They had no idea it was Jesus, verse 27. But Jesus spoke to them at once, just so they could hear his voice. Don't be afraid. Take courage. I am here. The translation here says, I am here. And the literal phrase says, take courage. Don't be afraid. Ready? I am. And you're like, okay, big deal. What's that mean? I am is actually a phrase, and we learn this in the Old Testament. It's a name that God used to describe himself in the Old Testament in the book of Exodus when Moses asked God for his name. He said, look, if, you're gonna, if we're going to do something together, if I'm going to accept this call that you're, you're calling, this thing you're calling me to, I need to know who it is I'm talking about. So who are you? And God says, I am who I am. And now Jesus is saying, I am. I am is here. I am that God of the Old Testament, the God that you and your ancestors have worshipped for hundreds of years. I am He. I've come to earth with. This is what the whole Christmas story is all about. I am. There was something in that moment that must have registered with the Apostle Peter, because he probably thought, okay, if you're the I am, which would be pretty cool, if you're the one who created it all, and we just saw you feed 5,000 people, right? Nobody saw that coming. Now you're walking on water, uh, so I'm going to test the limits here. And whether it was out of fear whether it was out of bravado, whatever it was, look what happens next, verse 28. And Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. So Peter decides, I'm in, I'm getting out of the boat, I'm going to walk through the wind, I'm going to walk through the waves, I'm going to walk in the dark of night, and I'm going to try this thing. And he decides that the only way he's going to solve the current crisis is to do something that he's completely incapable of doing. Oh, just stop for a second because maybe that's what your current thing feels like to you. <clears throat> maybe you're like, there is, there is no way. This addiction is bigger than me. This anger is bigger than me. This resentment and unforgiveness and bitterness and hurt. If you knew my story, if you knew what he did, if you knew what she said, if you knew, then you would understand. Listen, this is too big for me. If that's where you're at, then you're in the right place because we know a God who is bigger than all of that. So in the middle of the storm, You'd wonder what Jesus would say, or certainly you would have to ask, you know, uh, what are, I, I wonder what the other disciples are thinking or what they're saying. You know, they're like, Peter, sit down. Peter, you're doing it again. Shut up. Sit down. Be rational. Think this through. And Jesus actually gives a response. So what's he say? Verse 29, he says, yes, <laughs> come. Jesus says, come. In, in the spectacular, never to be repeated moment, Peter went over the side of the boat and he walked on the water toward Jesus. I mean, here he goes. He's doing it. He's in, and he's out of the boat. And look what happens. He gets out of the boat. He's walking on the water. But when he sees the wind and he sees the waves and he realizes how crazy this idea is, he begins to sink. Verse 30. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Maybe some of you are there right now. And the reason you think this year is not going to be any different from last year, or the reason you think you can't solve this thing that you came in with, you're like, I need to solve this. Maybe it's because you're seeing the wind. You're seeing the wind. I mean, you can't even see wind. Sometimes fear does that. It's like you see things that aren't there. And he saw the wind, and he certainly saw the waves, because you can see the waves. And the boat was rocking, and they were fearing for their lives, and he's terrified because he took his eyes off Jesus. 
Verse 30 says, he was terrified and began to sink. He began to sink. There are things that maybe you're working on. There are things that you're carrying into the new year from last year or maybe from many years ago. There's something that you're struggling with, and let's be honest, maybe it's bigger than you. It's bigger, it's bigger than a task to be checked off a list. It's bigger than that. How do you handle that? How do you, you can look at the size of the problem and say it's impossible to fix, or you can refocus on Jesus. And that's what Peter does, verse 30. He began to sink. He says, save me, Lord. So he literally just yells out, save me. In verse 31, Jesus immediately reaches out and grabs him. And what does he say? Hey, Peter, well done. Nice try. You'll get it next time. Way to go. No, he's like, you have so little faith. Verse 31, you have so little faith. Think about that. If you're Peter, you'd be like, really, Jesus? Really, really? I got out of the boat. These other 11 guys, they just sat there terrified. They were trying to talk me out of it. They never even thought about getting out of the boat. At least I got out of the boat, and you're accusing me of having little faith. Like, help me understand that. And Jesus is like, well, why did you doubt me? Well, let's see, Jesus, why did I doubt you? Well, first of all, nobody walks on the water. Nobody does that. People don't do that, Jesus. This problem is too big. Do you know how many people I've seen about this problem? Do you know how many people I've talked to about this problem? It's too big. It's never going away. It's always going to be a thing that I struggle with. It's just part of me, I guess. And Jesus says, yeah, but I am. I am is here. So what is it you want to bring to me? What is it that you think I can't solve? What is it you think that I won't be in the middle of? Why did you start looking at the things around you that most people can't see? Why did you start to focus on the waves? Why didn't you keep your eyes on me? And Jesus had this question, which is a great question. He says, why did you doubt me? Look at what happens next, verse 32. When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. (laughs) And then a light bulb kind of went on, and the disciples finally figured it out, and they worshipped him. And they said, you're not just another teacher. You're not just another rabbi. You really are the Son of God, and they worshiped Him. Um, what I'm talking about today isn't just about resolutions. What I'm talking about today isn't, you know, can I be a slightly better version of myself? Because Jesus comes to us with a promise that He's going to make us new. And, you know, we can make some progress on our own. We've all done that. Many of you have in your life, and many Christians make progress on their own. But the reality is some of the stuff that we deal with can only happen completely when we surrender fully to Jesus. Things like forgiveness, like the stuff going on in your marriage, like your compulsive spending, like your addiction to pornography, like the anger, like your crippling insecurity, like whatever it is that's holding you back, keeping you from being the person that God created you to be, Sometimes you just can't do that on your own, and that's what Peter discovered that night, and that's what we're discovering. And so the good news, the incredible good news, is you don't have to do this alone. By the time we get to the middle of this new year, your life can be different. Your life could be radically different, and there can be a Savior at the center of it, and His name is Jesus. And maybe you've been a Christian for a long time, but you just haven't really trusted Jesus with your whole life. You've doubted, and there, this could be a year where maybe you take two or three things to him and say, you know what, this time I'm all in. I'm coming over the side of the boat. I'm stepping out. I'm in. I'm going to go see the counselor. I'm going to get into that support group. I'll get involved in a small group. I'll start to build, build some community around me. I'm going to talk to the friends I need to talk to. I'll use whatever tools and resources you put around me to solve this thing and to address this thing in my life. I'm going to have you at the middle of it. You see, we're not alone in the struggle. 
And by the time we, meet, we reach the, the middle of this new year, your life could be very, very different. Brings us back to the question we started with. In light of your past experiences, in light of your present circumstances, in light of your future hopes and dreams, in light of all that we know to be true about ourselves, in light of everything we know to be true about God, what would future you do? Here's what we're going to do. We're going to give you an opportunity to fill out a card in a few moments. So we're going to pass out some cards. Alethea's coming to do that right now. She's going to take a minute to do that. On that card, I'd like for you to write one or two things that maybe, maybe even up to three things maybe, that future you would tell you to do and address in your life right now. So what would future you tell you to do, to start doing right now? Just write those down, whatever that is. And you know what it is. If you're working on yourself at all, you, you've committed to your personal growth at all, you shouldn't have to give this much thought. Write it down on that card. There's a card in that envelope. No one else is going to see it. Here's what we're going to do. This summer, sometime in the middle of 2021, we're going to send this card to you. We're going to mail it to you, and you'll get it in the middle of the summer, and you'll see what future you encouraged you to do. And by that point, you're going to have the opportunity to make so much progress on issues. And I mean, think about it. You could be down 20 pounds. You could have a few hundred more dollars in the bank. Your smoker's lungs could start regenerating. Your marriage could be in a very different place. Your addiction could be broken. You could have sat down in the counselor's office and have forgiven that person from your past. There's some really big stuff that you could be well on your way to resolving and addressing and even healing from by the time you get this card in the mail this summer because maybe all because you acted on some advice from future you. So I'm going to pray. And then I'm going to give you an opportunity to write down on the card those two or three things, or maybe even one single thing. Then put the card back in the envelope, write your mailing address on the front, seal it, and drop the card in the basket at the back there on the stool at the back of the room as you leave. This summer, we'll send it back to you. You won't know when to expect it. It'll just show up, and you'll have an opportunity to be reminded and to take a look at your progress, because I believe you can make progress. I believe we can do that. I believe this can be a, a year of real significant personal growth for all of us. Because here's what I think is going to happen. When you get that in the mail, you're going to be so glad that you took the advice of future you. You're going to be so thankful that you took action, that you started the process. You're just going to be thankful. So what is it that future you would tell you to do? Listen, just hear this. Your Heavenly Father, we sang these words, your Heavenly Father is for you. He's on your side, he's pulling for you, and he loves you. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you that even as the wind and the waves come, we realize that you are so much bigger than any storm that comes our way. You're so much bigger than the addiction we're facing, than the crisis in our marriage, than the distance with our kids, than the anger that's inside of us, than the success that we seem to be addicted to. Father, we know you're bigger than all that. We know that there are just so many more things are possible. And this year, just like any other year, there are a few things we could do ourselves. There are a few things we could check off our list as the months go by. And we know that. But there are other things we just can't do by ourselves. So today, Father, would you speak into those situations? Because right now, we can't even begin to think about walking on the water. We don't even want to get out of the boat. But I pray that all of us would have the courage to work on some of these issues in our lives, that we would do more than just think about it and talk about it and pray about it, but that we would begin to engage a process that leads towards freedom and towards healing. So 
as we fill out these cards in the next few minutes. Help us to see ourselves as you see us. Help us to see your role in our lives as you really are. The I am. Everything we need to experience the abundant life that Jesus came to bring. And then, Lord, as we see these cards in a few months, as we open these cards and we're reminded of this moment, may we be able to celebrate what you have done and are continuing to do in our lives. And for all of that, Father, we give you glory in Jesus' name.